0: You're listening to This is Yoga Therapy. I'm your host, Michelle Lawrence, and I've had the opportunity to interview many of those who are making a difference at the intersections of yoga and health, and I'm here to share with you their stories and conversations. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I interviewed yoga teacher and activist Reggie Hubbard. Reggie teaches members of Congress, congressional staff leading progressive organizations and individuals, sharing techniques for growing peace and ease as a foundation, not an afterthought. He also advises yoga communities, yoga studios, teachers, and the broader wellness industry on the importance of diversity and inclusion, opening the practice to all, and eliminating exclusionary cultures and habits. Reggie, it's so great to have you here today.
1: Yeah, lovely to be here, and thanks for the invitation.
0: And so let's start here. I'd love for you to share with our listeners your background and then what got you into yoga. I bet you you've got a pretty interesting background.
1: Yeah, so I love telling the story, A, because it's so ridiculous. In fact, my birthday was last week, and so one of the gifts I gave to myself was committing to a book program because if I don't tell this story... No one will, in general, but especially in the Mitsu that I'm carrying. So, as a bigger-bodied black dude who's solidly middle-aged, if I don't tell the story, like from an accessibility perspective, but also from an inspirational perspective, I think there's power there, and it just happens to be my story. So, there's not much ego there. Yeah, Michelle, I just started practicing yoga to not curse out my boss. So, my background is in politics, sales and marketing, international education. I've done a little bit of everything, almost by necessity, because it's hard being black and talented in the world, much less the United States because they don't know what to do with you. Actually, that's not true. They seek to sabotage you and then gaslight you for your success. And so at 40 years old, I had adopted certain behaviors that were just not resonant anymore. Like you can't just grit your teeth and be like, you know, I'm going to, I'll prove it to you. You know, you have to kind of get off the gas pedal. And so I was in this job situation. So very, very long story short, I was working in politics, worked for the John Kerry experience, worked for the Obama era, even though they blacklisted me for some things, which part of the reason why I'm in and out of politics is because there's too much ego for me sometimes. So I went all in to be an appointed person in the Obama administration in 2014, made it to the top two for some pretty ridiculous jobs, got neither one. So that's the equivalent of asking someone to marry you and them telling you no, like, shit, I got to leave town. I can't be here no more. This is embarrassing. And so I started working in international education and moved from Maryland. D.C. to Denver. I was working in this nonprofit that was a dream job for the first six days and became a nightmare, which is still a dream, just not the one that you hope that comes to fruition in your life. And I'm in this staff meeting. One of the women who was in charge of the nonprofit was like, yeah, we don't know why we hired you. You're a waste of headcount and payroll and all this other stuff. And I'm from the East Coast. Like, I'm not the passive aggressive Denver, Colorado. Nah, baby. I'm from Baltimore. Like, you see in the wire. Like, you know, what's your problem? But I knew that if I responded in that way, that I would be fired and I was in the hole. And so I went to this studio, it's no longer around, but called Kindness Yoga in Denver. And they had a 30 for 30 special. And the woman, Tricia, who was a good friend and still a good friend and teacher, She was like, we have this 30 for 30 schedule. And I was like, yo, I got a hundred bucks. What will this get me? And Michelle, I started going to practice sunrise and sunset because the job was just so crappy. That became sadhana, which I didn't know. I was a brother was just trying to make it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But the consistency of the physical practice combined with my existential philosophy major and using tapas to like burn through some stuff like created in 10 months such a transformation in my body and mind that when they fired me via text message and asked me for an exit interview, I looked at them and was like, y'all know good and hell well, we don't need no exit interview. That's kind of laughable. But I do want to thank you for how poorly you treated me. And they're like, why? I was like, because you gave me the wisdom to handle adversity with grace. Thank you. So that's how my yoga journey got started.
0: I love it and it sounded tough. Yeah. But it was born out of adversity. And tell us where it went from there, I guess. You probably just got really into it and then maybe you became a yoga teacher and now you've got this thing called Active Peace. But like fill in some of the blanks for me. And then I do want to know ultimately what Active Peace is, but kind of maybe go from that experience in Denver at Kindness to ultimately founding Inner or Active Peace.
1: Yes. So kindness was an incubator for me and a great place to be a yoga rat as a newbie, you know what I mean. And so when I got fired via text message, I was living in Cherry Creek. Cherry Creek's not free, so like I had to come up with a, a way to pay rent. And remember, I moved to Denver to leave politics. I grew up in the church, and so I injected some of my old Baptist days because the job was so terrible to me psychologically that I did a purge. So like from September 30th to October 5th, October 5th my birthday. I took a full fast and drank water and practiced asana three days a week to literally purge my entire body, energy, physical body, somatic experience of that. And I was like, whenever I break this fast, like, I'll know what I'm supposed to do. I break the fast on October 5th, my birthday, and you can't write this. Again, that's why I got to write this story. I get a phone call from the Bernie Sanders campaign. And some friends of mine were like, yeah, so we're in Denver. And I'm like, yeah, great. I'm in Denver, too. What do you want? (laughs) Right? They were like, we're wondering if you could help us out. I was like, yeah, so you want me to make some phone calls for you or what? They're like, no, we actually had this rally in Boulder. We're expecting 10,000 people. I was like, oh, so you want me to work? Lucky for y'all, like, I just got fired and love what Bernie's talking about, and then laughed. I was like, so I came to Denver to leave politics and it found me, man. Like, oh, my God. So did the Bernie Sanders rally and made peace with myself because the other part of my story that I haven't told is my 30s were brutal. So like I had weight issues, alcohol, food addiction stuff because of the political lifestyle. It's 18 hour days. I famously talk about like in political days, it'd be four hours of sleep, bourbon and cigarettes for breakfast, cursing somebody out for lunch and fast food at two o'clock in the morning right as you passed out. And so I was nervous, rightfully so, when the Sanders campaign was like, We want you to join our campaign because of my accumulated lived experience in my first iteration with um politics. But I told them when I took the gig, because it was temporary contract at first. I was like, look, I'm a yogi now, and I'm not no yogi like y'all talk about it. This is my spiritual practice. This is my lived experience. And and so if this job gets in the way of my health or my practice, I'm quitting. They're like, haha, I was like, I'm dead serious. And so joined them on those terms and was able to fuse my yogic practice with my activism. Rather than have my activism be a destructive experience, I was able to temper it with like yogic practice and yogic wisdom And like find my work to be fulfilling and sustaining as opposed to diminishing and depleting over the course of the Bernie Sanders campaign just kept getting these epic assignments and kept doing my practice and having epic results ending with I produced Bernie's concession at the DNC so went from like this boulder rally to like being trusted enough to couple his concession at the DNC. That was the most ridiculous experience with present moment awareness in a storm that I ever had. And so, like when I was able to do that with a plum, I was like, "Oh, this yoga stuff! Wow!" To have clear mind in that, I was like, yeah. "This is crazy! Wow!" You know. And so I'm only like two, two years, two and a half years into my yoga practice, like producing Bernie's concession, all this other crazy stuff. So Trump wins in 16 and I was so steeped in my practice. I kind of knew that he was going to win just based on all the travel I had done and my instincts. So I was ready and didn't really have an emotional response given all the stuff that I had done with Bernie was like, okay, so the struggle continues. And so made basically a sankalpa that I will continue political work until he's out. And I will make this my dharma. Like I will make this my sankalpa mm-hmm. to serve dharma. And so basically took my yogic warrior stuff from Bernie Sanders and made a commitment for the entirety of the Trump era to serve for his ouster. Took 200 and 300 hour yoga teacher training. At the end of my 200 hour training, it quite literally coincided with us flipping the house. At the end of my 300-hour yoga teacher training, it quite literally was three days after the impeachment vote in the house on the winter solstice. And I didn't plan any of this stuff. And so like, I'm seeing, like, oh, you graduate 300-hour training on the solstice after being in the impeachment world. Because the other thing I talk about a lot to my girlfriend's dismay... Is that when Rashida Talib said we're going to go and impeach the MF? That was my party. So like I was literally again in like some tectonic moments in the culture. But yoga allowed me to be present and like take wise action in those moments. And so as yoga training became 200, became 300, became all these other things. The pandemic hits, and so I planned on like March 2020. As most people, I didn't plan on doing what I ended up doing. After being in the impeachment world in the House and then the Senate and then the Senate did what they did, I was exhausted, man. Look, I don't know if I want to do this activism thing anymore and, like, had already, like, threatened to quit because I just, not exhausted, but I was just, like, I was so in in it that for people who weren't as intense as I was, I didn't really need to be around them. You know what I mean? I was just like, for you, you're watching impeachment on the news. I'm counseling members of Congress and their staff through this ridiculous moment. And you're, you know, so I was just like somewhat disassociated with the world because I was in such an intense like impeachments happened four times. And I was involved in two of them. I was going to quit my job or at least take a leave of absence. Then the pandemic hit and I was doing some substitute teaching in studios, but the studio model didn't really work for my lifestyle, but also who I am as a person. Because I remember in my 300-hour training, people say mean things sometimes they were like yeah good luck with your style and i was like what the hell is that we're not in high school because i didn't teach vinyasa boring sun a sun b let's just do the same thing every day and pretend like we're doing something as a jazz musician faith hunter was my first teacher like it's more intuitive for me so i teach to the moment and i teach to the student and like give them an experience and gives their lives as opposed to trying to force my lived experience on somebody else so anyway one of my teachers i was at the himalayan institute And they were like, some people need to train less and teach more, Reggie. And this is in front of like 200 people. And I was pissed. I was like, man, like, ain't nobody asking you to call me out like that. But then I was like, okay, Ego, what are you afraid of? Then the pandemic hit that next week. I responded with such a level of peace that I didn't know what to do with. Everyone else is freaking out. I'm buying up all the toilet paper for a respiratory ailment. I'm making jokes, you know, all this stuff. And then I was like, this is the peace that they talk about in all the traditions. So I need to make this active. So Active Peace was born of the pandemic because I was in such a overflow of peace to share that with folks who were just not handling it as easily as I was. And so it became a sangha and we still keep in touch. But like I taught about 1500 classes over 2020 and 2021. So when most people fell out, I fell way in. In service to the moment. And because my political career is full of these like vortex moments. When I started teaching, I was was like, okay, so now I don't have to listen to studio culture. I can do whatever I want. And all I have to do is look into a computer and throw my heart at this little dot. Awesome. And I don't have to. Answer to anybody but me, even better. Then George Floyd got murdered. And then I looked around and I was like, in this lily white yoga space, ain't no brothers keeping it real. And for the next six months, this is what I said to people, like, you're so cynical. I'm like, watch. I knew that in the six months after George Floyd got murdered, that that was the only time I had to, like, smash through all these hierarchical systems. And so I was like, ain't that many black people out there talking. I'm going to talk. I'm going to merge my activist side and my yoga teacher side. And I'm going to be known as the guy who unapologetically talks about social justice and personal transformation through the intersection of well-being and social transformation did that so much in six months that I didn't teach for real, for real until April 2nd, 2020. And by the end of 2020, I was a household name.
0: Wow. So cool. And how did you get that out there? Like, how did you get yourself out there, active peace out there? How did you engage people in that timeframe specifically?
1: Well, I don't teach teachers as often as I'd like to, but I want to do more of it because I think the way that people are taught this stuff informs how they teach. I mean, that's a no-brainer, but it's also something that's underappreciated. My yoga journey, it was public. So I would talk about it on social media. I would talk about it to my friends. I was very open about it. And so when I was like, hey, I'm going to be teaching. Does anybody want to check out what I have to say? 300 people said yes. Wow. So like, you've been paying attention to what I've been doing. And so when I offered myself as a teacher, I had thousands of hours as a practitioner and a practitioner who had articulated his journey, good, bad, and indifferent. So when people were like, oh, this guy's teaching, man, let me see what this guy has to say. So that's how it came about. I've kept that line of being vulnerable, super honest. So the other thing about Active Peace, before I forget, is that it has two patron saints. One is Jimi Hendrix, one is Prince. One is because they're unapologetic blackmail creatives. And two is that Prince is, to me, identifies with Sri and Sahastrata, so like beautiful cosmic transmission and just bending of norms for spiritual purposes. Jimi Hendrix is like Manipura Chakra or like straight fire. Jimmy was in and out in four years of fame and just did his thing. Those two energies like form the, the basis of active peace. It's that merge of devotion to beauty and art, but also unapologetically being myself. Cause the thing is like, I can count on probably one hand the thousands of dollars that I spent on marketing Like my marketing is just do dope stuff. You know what I mean? And so like if it's one person, like you're going to get the fullness. If it's a thousand people, you're going to get the fullness. That's why the current model of yoga land is what it's been called is troublesome for me is because. Your worth as a teacher should not be predicated on how many people show up to your class. So you should not be upset if only one person shows up. Yeah, it may not be economically viable for that moment, but you don't know who that one person is. And so your willingness to be your full self as a teacher, regardless of if it's one, zero, or 30,000, is another core tenet of mine. Because like that one person, if I give you or your chief of staff peace, or if I give this member of Congress peace, awesome.
0: The ripple effects every one counts everyone matters. I love that you said that, and it sounds like like your marketing is being your authentic self
1: yeah because there's only
0: one me <laughs> there's only one you Reggie, yeah, so what is your professional life? What does it look like these days? like are you working in the political scene are you tell me about your yoga teaching these days like what are you up to
1: so the blessing of your forties, for those of y'all who get here and beyond, is that a lot of the stuff started to make sense. And so, like, I formed an LLC that houses my yoga teaching, that houses my speaking work, that houses my political consulting, that houses my educational consulting. So, Active Peace LLC is the entity that allows me to do what I do. And so like there are some corporate clients or some activist clients that I teach mindfulness stuff to and the political consulting allows me, because there's also a service component to active peace, that a, a significant portion of my public schedule is based on Donna. So just like free. It's not as focused on money. If you have no money and still want to gain something please come i don't care about the money because it's been demonstrated to me that i'll be taken care of anyway through the generosity so i have a public facing practice that's generosity based other practices that you know i've taught sales for us, i've taught other folks that's not based on that more based on market dynamics and so it just allows me to do all the things right so one of the things that is kind of controversial to say, but as someone who was involved in impeachment and me and Rashida melted the Internet, like I'm not so worried about controversy, is that um we as individuals have deeper talent than just teaching the physical practice, number one. And number two, yoga is more than the physical practice. So if you're going to teach it, teach the whole thing. And so if yoga is about union and the merging of the disparate notions of self into one seamless thing, then I don't have to be just a yoga teacher. I can be the yogi that teaches, the yogi that advises politically, the yogi that does this keynote speech, the yogi that helps you fashion this curriculum. I can be all of those things as a yoga thing it's not just oh i'm going to teach physical practice and hustle from studio to studio like my goal quite honestly is to support studios that like support flourishing but smash those who exploit as we emerge from this level of the pandemic like we have to do things differently as practitioners as teachers right i, I talk openly about grief i talk openly about suffering and there are a lot of people and again i don't begrudge anyone making a living But I also understand that Tracy Blackman is a minister from Missouri, and she said something over the course of the pandemic that really informed my sensibilities as a teacher, which is that if your offerings don't speak to the cries of the people, then what are you doing? People are scared right now. People are grieving right now. And so rushing to a tropical locale to disassociate yourself from your suffering is not yoga
0: it's a vacation, isn't it?
1: It's a vacation with asana. That's not yoga. Yoga is holding space for the difficulty with the unfettered like love of the wise heart.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. I totally hear everything you've said, particularly our work and who we are in the world, like our dharma, should not be separate from our yoga, right? In fact, It's way more powerful when all of our life is viewed as practice. All aspects of ourselves, our relationships, our work, our physical aspects, our emotional life, spiritual life, all of it. So let's talk about this sadhana question then, since I just said all of life should be sadhana. But I do ask everyone on the podcast, like, what does your daily practice look like? We think it's really important in what we do in our training school but i want to know what reggie hubbard's daily practice might look like and maybe it's different from day to day or maybe you've got some key staples or you tell me
1: so i am a sucker for joppa malas for me are not adornments that you place to make you look cute they are beads through which you offer your intention and service to your well-being and service to other people If I wear a mala that day and I don't pray with it, then that's not cool. Like, whatever beads I'm wearing, I've used with mantra or just to sit with, right? And so, like, Joppa's cool for me. Sound. So I've kind of fallen down the rabbit hole of sound. And I'm not apologetic about it at all. Because one of the things that if you start your day, you wake up, maybe you had a nightmare or whatever. Maybe you had good sleep. But if you play, like, say this... And you start your day with that. Like you're literally setting the vibe for your day. And so something can happen. You can get stuck in traffic. You can be on a Zoom meeting with someone who's talking too much or whatever. And like, because this is present for you. Then that vibe is in your mind. It's in your body. It's in your hand. Like it's in your chest. Like that vibration sits with you. So a lot of sound a lot of like prayer and intention through Japa, some physical practice, but I had a bum wheel last year. I sprained my ankle pretty awesomely last year. And then on the other side of it, I had a severe death in my family, severe in terms of, of its sudden implications. So my cousin died in his sleep at 44 years old, almost a year ago exactly. And so that combination grief manifested in my life through inflammation. I couldn't do asana practice regularly. So had to meditate, had to do sound, had to do all these other things because I couldn't move. And so I'm introducing more physical practice. But if there were staples, it's meditation. So silence sits, sound and joppa, anything to awaken awareness, expansion and the softening of the heart.
0: Really so appreciated talking with you today, meeting you, hearing about what you're up to sharing out what you're about and I hope our paths cross again in the future someday Reggie it's been a joy
1: definitely thank you very much and blessings to you and your community
0: you too if you'd like to learn more about who we are and what we do visit us at innerpeaceyogatherapy.com